Apparently, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> There's no music. I don't know what it ran out. My video ran out. I know you want some music. We'll get some no, music. No, I don't want music. You sure? How long have I been on? <laughs> Just for a couple seconds. Okay, so my last couple. And I had comments. the mic down. Oh, good. My last couple comments were on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yep. Oh, good. Where that you can always edit them out, right? right? Will it feel? Will you feel better if you have some music? Just to no. open the show. No, but okay. First of all, good morning. Welcome to your daily game face. <laughs> yeah, I'm you. Dr. Kim Lannon. My lead-in was <clears throat> missing this morning. Uh, it's running late this morning. I forgot to loop the video. <laughs> well, Lou's very sick. Yeah. I have a cold. Yeah. I was running late this morning because I have water. Um, <laughs> I have water issue because we had um, major warmth last week. Everything was lovely. And then we had a massive blizzard. Yep. And then we had a massive amount of rain, two and a half inches. Can you imagine if that was snow last oh, night? It would have been like five feet. That's all I could think of last night. Was right. If that was snow, we'd be all be dead. <laughs> all right, well, I don't know if we'd be dead, but we'd have a lot of snow. <laughs> yep. Um, but then we had a semi-blizzard again last night before it turned into the rain. And now, and so this morning, I woke up to, yeah, water. So uh, I have water. So that's all I'm going to say about it. That's, this all that's all I'm going to say about this morning on the water issue. Then there's the Dunkin' Donuts issue, which is a whole other issue. Which Have you ever well, seen the movie Key Lago? Yes. That's what it was like at my house last night. Oh. Well, that's kind of like how it was at my house last night and this morning. Yeah. <laughs> If you've seen the movie, it's like the so, house is rocking. It was just oh like, yeah. I, I, there were I, big, massive icicles dropping off of my house yeah. and smashing on the ground. I'm like, oh, and I could think it was that tree that fell in the summer. The remainder of yeah. it coming in and slamming through the bedroom. So yeah. And the dog gets nervous in the house because of the wind. So yes. he wants to go outside, which doesn't oh. make any sense to me. Because <laughs> he he can feel that he's trapped inside the box that could get taken away. So two or three times a night. Now, last night I'm up letting a dog out in the in the into the rain, and then he realized that he didn't want to be out there. Well, yeah, but it took him a little longer than it should have. Oh, well, put yeah. it that way. Well, in your opinion, yeah. Um. Anyway, so here we are. I'm back in studio, mm -hmm. and running late, <laughs> but later than usual. Um. But that's okay. And um. And you have a cold. How'd you get your cold? Because I wasn't anywhere near you, and I got my cold on my own. You may have got it. I had it last Wednesday when we did the show. But I was not here. Because I was out Tuesday. Oh, that's right. So we I didn't see you. Oh, that's right. So my cold came from, I call it the hot tub cold. Oh. That going in and out of blizzard weather over a week of and walking on freezing cold pavement from hot tub to said. So I didn't condo. know you had a hot tub. I have a whole new respect for you now. <laughs> Why? I love hot tubs. Oh, well, I don't have one, but I love them. The the hot tub at your favorite place is beautiful. Yeah, I know. And that's so I, I'm calling it the hot tub cold because I think that you know because I wasn't around anybody because you know me. Oh, the hot tub up there. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Like no, not home. no, not at home. No, oh. I don't like to sit in my own dirt. Don't even say it. People are like, well, why would you sit in other people's dirt? Well, because it's got chemicals in it. I understand. <laughs> I don't have that problem. So what? Sitting in people's dirt? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I try not to think about it. Private so I try tubs, not to go in tubs, the hot tub good. when there's people in it. Yeah. Or if I've seen people sitting in it for too long because I know they're peeing in it. <laughs> okay. It's true. It's true. 
I'm just not saying. something thought we have to dwell on. It's mental but, hygiene. But I actually do see people get up and go to the bathroom, come back. So that's a plus. Yeah. But yes, I, I, I chalk it up to a hot tub cold and I COVID tested four times. No COVID. Okay. Yay. I tested still, once. Still no COVID. Oh, I tested four times because it was like a really weird, it was like, ooh, all the symptoms of COVID, the current strain. I'm like, oh, here we go. But I wasn't feel. it was just. It was just a sore throat, sore throat, baby, sore throat and cough. Yeah, and, um, yeah. and now I just have the cough, which when I get a cough goes for months. So I'm going to have this cough till June. Nice. And I've only had it four days, so I've got a long run. <laughs> so if I cough, I apologize. I'm I'm coughed. I'm so sick of Ricola and 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 Ludens. I'm like it's coming out my ears. Which Ricola do you use? I use the menthol eucalyptus honey. Uh, it's honey herb. Honey herb. Yep. That one doesn't do it enough for me. Nope. It doesn't quite, you know, and I emptied out almost an entire container of honey yesterday by just taking spoonfuls of it to stop me coughing. Here comes the cough. I can feel it coming. You know, Excuse me. Is, <coughs> you know, nice Alex cough, is really huh? a surprisingly good cough suppressant. Dark chocolate. Oh, see that. You don't like me, dark chocolate? I love dark chocolate, oh. but that makes me think of getting like congested, even though it's not milk chocolate. Yeah. Anyway, so... We digress into these strange things. Um, so anyway, so New Year's week was lovely. I came home. Well, so always have a thing, right? Before we get into the topic of the day, because I had a massive request for show today. Oh, really? And it, der it derailed me and got me to do a different topic today, which I'm going to get to. Excellent. But it's all about actually dealing with adversity. And I was thinking, oh, how appropriate for today, because I'm having lots of adversity. So here in the middle of this beautiful long week, you know, obviously backtrack, you know, Mush passed away October 31st. So we had like the whole Mishigas of the past year of Mush and his illnesses. Yep. So I have five cats, four, one down, four, four remaining. I was going to say four to go. Bad thing. Um, <laughs> So his sister, Bill of Health, all the time. We get to Saturday. What's coming on Saturday here in New England? Blizzard, right? Yeah. Everyone's battening down the hatches because, you know, it's going to be a blizzard. We're not here. Our sitter's at home. She calls me Saturday morning. And we're not due to come home. Yep. She calls me Saturday morning. We're tail end of this. Mia's drooling. Oh, no. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, she drinks water like constantly. So she probably did because yeah. she always has water. She's like, mm, no, Kim, I, she's drooling. I'm like, what? So of course she FaceTimes me and I'm looking at this like poor little baby with like, I'm like, oh my God. So immediately I'm like dental issue. Right. Yep. So John drives all the way home. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Nope. He's superstar daddy. Wow. He drives all the way home, leaves me there because we're no, we're nowhere prepared to leave and come home. Plus the On storm's Saturday, coming. that's going to be three and a half hours. Uh, yeah. So he comes all the way home and rushes her to the emergency room, which I've called ahead to because <sighs> she's a hot mess. Um, we think it's an abscess tooth. We think, right? Mm, no. Oh, no. You know, it, so he goes all the way home to do this, right? And, of course, now the snow's starting, right? Yep. Which is fine. Now he's home, but I'm up in Timbuktu. Yeah. And... um. She has inflamed gingivitis and gums in the back because this cat has almost no teeth left because we've been pulling them all along because she's had a tooth issue all of her life. Yeah. And there's, yeah, she was just drooling because she was having some pain because of it. So she, so she's going in. She was supposed to go in this morning for her little vet visit, but because we have water adversity, I have adversity, adversity, yep. adversity, right? So because I have water, 
we had to cancel her appointment, but she's been medicated all week. So hopefully it's all, in, I know, she looks fine today. She hasn't drooled since that video. So, yeah. but we, yeah, we raced home to another large amount of money. Yeah. The yeah I, can't even I haven't finished paying Mush yet. Okay. I'm like, I looked at all of them the other day when I got home, I'm like, stop. Yep. You are all in suspension. No sickness. Right. 18, 15, 12, 5. Lord. So anyway, so between, and so then I was up in the blizzard, not a terrible place to be blizzarding, right? True. Where I was. And John was down here with Ruler. <laughs> so then he came up the day it wasn't and grabbed me and came back. And what then, a superstar he is. He was. He was. And then I felt like a bad mommy for a hot second because I did. I, he said, I think that your bandwidth for ill, ill animals right now has tapped. Yeah. And I was like, you're right. So he went, he, he did the honorable man thing and went home and took care of her and rushed, rushed her to the emergency room. Did he go down the abandoned road? What? The road with nothing on it. Did he, is that how he came back? Oh no, you'd probably oh, go down a different no, way. Yeah, no, okay. yeah. no, no. I was like, the what? No, um, yeah. no. No, God, no, because if he came I, down that road, you'd be stuck. You can't, can't even get, imagine. Because it was all snowed in. Yeah. Well, we didn't get as much snow up there as you guys got down here. Yeah. It was only like six or seven inches. Unlike the foot that's at my house on top of my lake. You got six or seven inches on the island, and we never well, get snow. Well, that's because you guys are on the water, yeah. on the ocean. But I got a foot, and now the foot has oh, melted because yeah. today is 50 degrees. Yeah, I know. 50 degrees. And tonight's supposed to be 20. <laughs> and then tomorrow's. So I have a cold. Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, first cold in a long time. Anyway, so I have. So the reason why I bring that, here's a here's adversity. Mm. All these things. And then I have a whole other issue, which is important in terms of the fact of like dealing with things. Like what can you do when you have no control over things? Right. I'm not going to go into the story because one, it's really long Two. It will aggravate me. <laughs> and three, I'm doing exactly in my head what I'm going to talk about today. So hence, we're going to jump into that. And you're yep. very quiet today because you're sick. And you've lost weight. No, you, you I'm listening. Look, yeah, I have lost you, weight. You look, you look like you've lost weight because are you not eating because you're sick? Apparently. Oh, well, maybe because you can't smell. You have COVID, don't you? You have COVID. I don't. I you, tested. I know, but that, your test is wrong. I have exactly the same thing you have. I have just the cough and I'm exhausted. That's it. Oh, I'm not exhausted. No, I'm exhausted. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do for you. Go to sleep. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. Okay. So today, the request for the show today was to specifically, you know how in the past I've talked about spatterings of like my four S's and my three C's and my three R's, like the things I use in my practice. Yep. And I just kind of, I don't ever really go into all of them. I did the four S's when I talked about narcissistic tethering and like what you need to do and right. those two shows on that which i think were back in august and people were asking me when was that show i think it was back in august mm -hmm. right yep. um so for people that want to know for us is you can go back to that show you could maybe link in lou <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> see i'm dying yep yep you're like whatever um so i'm going to talk today about the three r's at least initially specifically now the now before i even get to that why are we talking about this so this the psychological phenomenon of anxiety <laughs> that plagues it used to be like one in four it's it's everybody <laughs> five and four five and four yeah everybody has anxiety at, at least to some degree right. like because you first of all all 
we'll call it the bell curve normal people. All bell curve normal people have anticipatory anxiety, some performance anxiety, like on some little teeny scale. People mm -hmm. get like, you know, even when you're looking forward to something, like, and you're getting excited about it, that's anticipatory anxiety. So, there, so we all feel that fight or flight response to some degree on the continuum here to the, you know, healthy degree to the not healthy degree. But when we look at the psychology of when people really come in to get help or they're looking at self-help books or they're listening to podcasts like this one on on how to help themselves um, and tips and tricks to how to get through <clears throat> anxiety, you have to really understand what anxiety is. And so oftentimes in my practice, I'll say anxiety is fear and I will get that. No, it's not. <laughs> but <clears throat> Because it's too basic of, a, basic of a definition. It's not fear as in I'm afraid of spiders, which also is an anxiety or sure. fear of heights. And those are phobias. Those are specific entity things. But it's it's fear in the terms of the definition, meaning you have a thought that creates a concern in you. It's a thought that creates a concern, that creates an emotional feeling and a physical feeling or all of that, that is related to either something you think is going to happen, related to something that's already happened potentially, because mm -hmm. you're associating it, something that you're what ifing about, what might happen or what's coming, and that unknown anticipation of, I don't know what's out there, so therefore it's creating this thing right. in my head. Right. Now, most people... And, and I say that in fullness, most people, when I ask them, what are you thinking about when we first start talking about anxiety, people say nothing <laughs> or I don't know. Yeah. And, and that's the first start of the problem is that you are thinking about something all the time. It may not be aware to you. It may not be right in your full consciousness and the other piece of the anxiety, there's many other pieces, but one other piece to this awareness is, is that people think that when they are anxious or they have an anxiety attack or when they have a panic attack or whatever they call that for themselves, they think that it's something related, that it has to be something related to that very moment right then. Right. And it that's usually not what it is. Sometimes it is, maybe, but most of the time it's created from an accumulation of things over time that have stored and I call it stuffing down. You keep stuffing a lot of, you know, worries, thoughts, concerns, um, things that you're not working and resolving through, um, pushing away, pushing them on the back burner, whatever, though, that accumulation. And it's also about when um, people are really uh, having no awareness because they don't think that that could possibly cause anything. And there's a whole bunch of other things, right? Like that can't possibly cause me to have this. It right. must be something else or just not being insightful and introspective to themselves. Now there's plenty of people that are very insightful and introspective. And then that can create anxiety because then you overthink and then you become a meta worrier, meta meaning M-E-T-A worry. Yeah. So it's worry about worry about worry. And if I don't have something to worry about, then I worry about that because there must be something wrong if right. I have not, because I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Yep. So, so that being said, anxiety is by some definition, it's this fear that is created in your narrative, in your brain, you create a narrative, a thought process, a dialogue that you're either aware of or unaware of that you need to bring to awareness to make it 
change mm -hmm. and people will bring it to their awareness. And if they don't know how to change it or how to fix it or how to traverse the environment, they will end up feeling overwhelmed and they'll just stuff it or they'll do something else to soothe it. Drink, eat, yep. smoke pot, shop, exercise, you know, they'll do something to manifest its you know, and some of those things are healthy and some of them are not right. right. If people exercise, great. If people go shopping once in a while, okay. <clears throat> but when it's the things that functionally impair you that make it just worse, like alcohol makes anxiety worse. Um, gambling makes anxiety worse, right? Cause it becomes a financial thing. Eating, yep. eating your emotions, that becomes another problem. Um, and, and then also despite what, almost all my clients ever tell me when they are truly really purely anxious people or they have post-traumatic stress, they all, they all big letters say, I do not have a problem with marijuana because it makes me relaxed. And I'm like, tell me in a year how you're feeling after you keep doing it, because yeah. it will make you anxious right now in the moment you think it makes you feel okay. But marijuana, as much as I am a, um, a proponent for it in many medical situations, which I am, when someone has that pure anxiety base, mm -hmm. it makes it worse more often than not. Hmm. So it's really specific. So when people say I'm using medical marijuana, for instance, I'm going to do a little tangent here uh, for um, my backache, for my headaches, all that stuff. And they're not really a big anxious person. I'm not as concerned. Right. But when I have people who have full-blown like PTSD and I have people that are just organically very anxious people and have like a family, you know, observational run of learning of that, nine times out of 10, we have, we run into issues with that use. So it's really specific. So I just want to make that clear because what it does is it, uh, they, and people will counter this when they're using it, 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 although it makes it seem like it clarifies your thought process, <clears throat> it only clarifies your thought process during the usage of that time, but it's not doing any kind of rewiring of your brain right. in terms of how to help yourself if you're not doing the awareness piece to bring it to, to light, yep. right? So it goes back to, okay, now you're having something that creates more anxiety. Alcohol creates more anxiety. Gambling creates more anxiety. Um, marijuana creates more anxiety financially getting yourself in a pickle because you overshop and get yourself in a debt, which I'm, I'm talking to people now we're 10 days into January. Yep. I've already had like 10 people talk to me about how they're overloaded with financial debt from Christmas and the holidays. So those kinds of things are not helpful to, because it, what is it doing? It's creating a fear of the unknown of what is coming because of these right. things that have happened. Right. And if you continue to do the behavior, it just stacks up, accumulates externally and it accumulates internally, which creates an environment in your body that goes, ah, hmm. right. So, so let's take it back to that step of, okay, awareness. So if you're aware you're anxious, are you aware of what you're anxious about? Right. And it's, and you know, it's not, you know, the typical thing. If you read in your self-help books, it's like, are you afraid of heights? Are you afraid of spiders? Are you afraid of touching doorknobs? Are you afraid of like uh, men? Are you afraid of cats? Are you afraid? Whatever. That's, that's fine. That's usually not the problem though. It's usually <clears throat> bigger, deeper core issues about oneself. Who am I? Who do you think I am? And what does the world and who the world around thinks I am? We get very caught up in anxiety thinking about those things. And that's really the base of a mm -hmm. lot of anxiety is 
how we think we think about ourselves and then all the other self-conscious pieces of us that we've learned over time to tell ourselves at our core that we're not worthy enough. We're not lovable enough. Something bad's going to happen. No one's going to take care of us. We are alone. We're abandoned. We don't have attached, like whatever those core beliefs are, you have to really know how you think about yourself because it's not as basic as, oh, I'm afraid that I'll fail a test. That actually, if it's a common pattern in someone, like I'm afraid I'm going to fail out of college, like I'm going to, I'm never going to be anything. That's a deeper rooted core issue at the base of, I right. call it the seat of your soul. That's not about the fear of failing the test. It's the fear of being a failure, right. not being enough, See, being seen in other people's eyes as nothing, not worthy. So it's bigger than that. So the fear isn't just the words of the thing on top superficially. The reason why people get so caught up in cat catastrophic thinking and um, manifesting like really cognitive, big cognitive distortions, like, you know, over the top, just unrealistic things is because their core beliefs about who they are and who they think other people think they are, are usually not present in their mind. So they just keep running with a narrative and a dialogue that's actually what they believe, but it actually isn't true mm -hmm. in real, in real facts. Right. So does that make sense so far? Yeah. You're very quiet. You I'm okay? listening. I know. But no, I, I like this subject. So hmm. trying okay. to learn. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, so catastrophic thinking. So let's talk about it from that point. Um, so it's a, it's a cognitive distortion and what cognitive distortions are. And that's where I start with because of awareness, cognitive means thinking. We have distortions in thinking and the way I describe it to my patients and I'm sharing that this is like a whole free session for people today. Mm -hmm. They don't have to pay me <laughs> kind of like the insurance company that's not paying me right now. <laughs> oh, there's that other issue that I wasn't going to talk about. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there it is. Woo! So cognitive distortion is when you have a thinking, um, thinking flaw or multiple thinking flaws that like link together and create an emotional and physical feeling, usually both that people don't realize. And then it causes a behavior or right. an outcome. And then it loops again and loops again. And then it builds its speed and steam. And then you're out into the, you know, you're awfulizing, catastrophizing. Yep. It's, you know, the end of the world. It's like life is coming to a halt. Right. So cognitive distortions are, I call I call it the fun house. Now, I have never seen this written except in my own writing. So I call it the fun house. Cognitive distortions are like going into a fun house. Now, if you've never been in a fun house, you should go because then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. But fun houses, when you go into a fun house, the whole goal is to go in, have fun and try to figure out through a series of mirrors that give you distortions of yeah. who you are and where you are in your space and time related to all other things and other people that are in the fun house with you, your committee, how I'm relating it. Yep. Um, it's your also your goal is to get in and get out the other side. So when we do cognitive behavioral therapy and we do techniques, it's get into your fun house yep. and get out of your fun house because the fun house, even though it might be fun for a while, it causes you terror hmm. for some people. It causes you trauma. It causes you sickness. It causes you feeling in prison, right? Perfectionism, all these things, yep. right? So the fun house becomes a very not fun house. So when you go into a fun house, you see the fun house in different mirrors, right? You have the one that gets you out is the clear picture. Yep. The goal is to find the one that has the clearest picture mirror of you. Cause that's usually the one that gets you out. 
sometimes it gets a little confusing because sometimes there's like that seven or eight mirrors that all look the right one and you have to find the right one that actually gets you out. But then there's <clears throat> say 50 other mirrors around you. And what are they? They're, they make you look short. They make you look tall. They make you look wide. They make yep. you look fat. They make you look squirrely and wiggly and wobbly. Um, some look really blurry. Some look dark and you hardly see yourself. Some are back. Like there's so many different mirrors. Um, that's what's going on inside of many people. Yeah, They're in their fun house. And the brain is a fun house sometimes of, craziness and it gets really confusing and if you've ever seen sometimes people have you ever been in a fun house where you've seen people get stuck and they actually sit down and they give up and they i've seen little kids do it yeah i don't know if i've seen any adults but i've seen little kids just be like i can't get out right that's kind of yep. my metaphor for what happens to people with anxiety on the whole continuum whether it's small amounts sometimes or even the biggest amounts it's your ultimate stuck in the fun house um because it becomes traumatizing it becomes a brain um, paralysis, right? And it's because you have this cognitive distortion of yourself. You are thinking of a situation that is not realistic, not reasonable, and not rational. Mm -hmm. So those are the three R's. So the topic of the show today is really on the technique of the three R's, but I'm getting to that. So when you look at your, at your distortions, your, your cognitive distortions, you have to be able to look at are they really catastrophic? Now, most people will say, yes. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and, and I always say, okay, tell me the evidence. Tell me what makes it real. And I, I, I normally in anything else that I do in this practice, right, stuff, I'd say, oh, well, there's always going to be room for the yes, this, and that. A hundred percent of the time, cognitive distortions have no fact to them. And when I hear people tell me their evidence, I'm like, yes. And I listen to all of it. And I say, now tell me evidence that's fact-based. Because when people give yeah. evidence, it's speculative. It's presumptuous. It's assuming. It's mind-reading. It's projecting. It's fortune-telling. It's all these things that are walls and defense mechanisms, defense mechanisms that come up to help us mm -hmm. cope with the fear of not knowing how to deal or feel like we have control over an outcome that we don't have any control over, right? That could be coming. So the cognitive distortion of like um, being like a catastrophizer, which many people are catastrophizers, right? Is when people have a hard time weighing the, the likelihood of a certain outcome and believe that a terrible outcome that's like crazy catastrophic is gonna happen, like out of this world typically. Um, and once the person gets it in their mindset, they think it's extremely likely. So it converts over to that it's fact. It yep. converts to it's real. It converts to it must be this. And with just enough confirmation of, I always say, one childhood's topic of someone saying, you're not pretty, you're not smart, you're, what are you, stupid? One time yep. can make that spider web into adulthood and all it takes is one. And yep. people are like, really? I'm like, yes. And all parents, all people do this to each other. And it's a matter of resiliency, which I've talked about in, in shows. But when you, it's usually not one time when people have massive amounts of cognitive distortion and anxiety. It's usually something that's been said one or two times or something that's been modeled one or two times to a person to make them feel that way. 
and then they uh, they go internally and then they build the storyline themselves around it. Um, I, I can't tell you how many parents will say, I don't know why my child's perfectionistic. I've never done anything. Yeah. I, I always love that. I've never done anything to make them that way. And that's usually my first red flag. I'm like, yep. huh? And, you know, I have to I have to do that side eye of like, mm. you know, I grew up in a perfectionistic household. I was expected to be perfect. And and it wasn't even hidden. No. <laughs> so I know that it wasn't covert. It was, it was not covert. It was very quantified. it was very over it was very overt. It's often quantified. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so 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 it wasn't abstract at all. Oh, not in my not no. in my upbringing. No. And if Michelle was on the show, she would talk about it because she experienced it as well as a as a side person to the upbringing I was in to talk about that. But most people have covert right? I was lucky enough to have it overt. So it was really clear to me what yeah. was happening. Even as a little kid, I knew like, this is weird. Um, and then I had my yummy person to always be like, it's not true. Don't believe them. Yeah. Run away, run away, which was hard because I lived with them. Um, so uh, the, the accumulation of the dialogue you build on your own around that core creates the cognitive distortions and they can run rampant like weeds in the ground, like just strangling the growth of a person because they just hold you back. Yep. You know, they, they, you know, perfectionism, I call it the self-imposed prison. Perfectionism is what essentially, if you can imagine a plant rooted, that's trying to grow beautifully, but always just has trouble. It's because they have root rot, they have root boundness, they have yep. like not enough water because they don't have enough nurturing. Like there's all kinds of problems because that's like your core. If your core has root rot because you've been given root rot and then you build your narrative around it and you build all these distortions and these these weeds to strangle the growth of, of yourself. Um, and then you get it reinforced because you have someone still doing it or you have at least, you know, the worry that you're not people pleasing enough or that you, yep. especially in women, right? Little girls are taught to be people pleasers big time, right? And 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 the trend is trying to get women away from that. And the and then also boys don't cry. So it's like putting all these things in is like you're not enough. You're not you're weak if you cry. You're yep. not strong enough. You, you don't do that. And if a girl does it, then it, it, so there's all these socialized messages, even without it just being a direct on point to one person, like you know, you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly, you're never going to be anything. You're just like your father, which never means anything good. Right. No one ever compares their child yep. to someone and says, you're just like your father. That's so wonderful. It's, it's, you're just like your father. That's a bad thing. Yep. So, right. So all the, so just think about all the messages you get in life <clears throat> growing up and then in your adult life or your teenage years and all these things. And then, and if you're not privy to psychological intervention or you have, you don't have that base or you don't have people around you that have psychological mindedness, you kind of walk through life like in a, in a fun house. Yeah. Right. And you know how many, I mean, there's so many people around. I mean, every single client that comes into my office just about has some kind of fun house going on and we have to get it out of the distortions. We, you know, yep. and I usually draw visuals and that's, I teach to my class about this. This is how you get people to cognitively undistort themselves. But catastrophizing is one of the biggest ones. That's why I'm focusing on it is because people just make things into bigger things. Yep. And, and um, I can't tell you I, I, if Natasha, who's in, who was in my class a long time ago, sometimes is listening. I always would say in class, like, people who are like in addiction and people who are massive anxiety and PTSD, everything is like Mount Kilimanjaro. Yep. Everything is the equal size 
an insurmountable mountain that looks just so overwhelming um, instead of it just being, why can't it? If you're living in the Northeast here, it's like, why can't it just be like Wachusett? Or why can't it just be like yeah. Neshoba? Or why can't it just be, you know, like a little speed bump? Or why can't it just be like a pebble on the beach? Why does every single, it's impossible. So I start with those kinds of concepts first. It's impossible for, it, it absolutely fact-based is impossible to have everything be the Matterhorn or Kilimanjaro. Mm -hmm. It just can't be, it just can't. So we start there. And, and and talk about it from just the really big ethereal kind of like way. Yep. And then we get into, okay, let's identify, let's make aware of like, what are your distortions? What are the, what are the funhouse mirrors? So I usually send people off and say, come back with, give me at least five of your mirrors. Now that doesn't mean come back and tell me one's wavy, and one's, right? It's like, what's in that mirror? Right. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not thin enough. I'm not smart enough. Nobody loves me. Come back and sometimes I get people that give me uh, like 50. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> because, and then I'll ask them for one good one and I get nothing, which is normal. That's what I usually, you know, that's very common. Hold please. I have to. <laughs> okay. So cough now. All right. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, ah, let me just talk before. We get oh, you're going to talk. Thank God. I have to take a break. Thinking, all right. Okay. The two things when I started dealing with this that broke it for me, and I think it's one of these things you hear these messages in enough, a number of different modalities in a number of different ways. It comes at you in a hundred different ways how to fix, how to deal with these types yeah. of situations. Yes. But you have to find the one that lands for you. Yes. And the two for me with these was, first of all, we talk about it all the time. It's like the mind's job is to catastrophize. Well, it's a protector. It, right. It's, it's, a, it's an it's, absolute, it's a coping strategy. It's supposed to, to tell you, you the bears in the back of the cave. Right. Primarily, that's, yeah, well, right. that's the primal thing here if you associate too closely with your mind with your brain right you're going to be swimming in those that catastrophizing well so yeah I, to, I call it sitting in your shit yeah stop uh, sitting in your shit got to get in the observer position you got to get away from your brain and understand that your brain is there to protect you and how it does that is catastrophizing everything because it's a coping strategy all of these things are coping strategies doesn't mean it's protect. real right just right. means that that's what you that's what you're being fed from your mind all the time. Your right, mind is barking all the time. Right, because it's what's allowed you <clears throat> it's allowed you to protect yourself from the hurt, right. the rejection, the abandonment, the worthlessness feeling, the helplessness feel. It, it protects you from all of those things, and and that in and of itself, trying to think about getting out of that also creates anxiety because if you don't know what the other side of that looks like, you you know it, I just said this to a client yesterday you are stuck in this because you rather dance with the devil you know than the devil you don't and yep. he just looked at me like oh yeah that's so true and it was like john broke on marble head right it was he had that aha moment he's like yeah i'm and we talked about fear of sitting in not knowing what could be yep and how good it could be Versus, but that's just the mind, just understanding that's just the mind barking at you and trying to verify how much of it is worthwhile and how right. much is a realistic, rational, reasonable. reasonable. Right. The other thing for me, the other tool for me was temporal. Uh -huh. In other words, usually when you're experiencing anxiety, you're you're in the past or you're in the future. Right. Well, that's what I said at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Right. So you understand. So centering yourself on the present right. is often a, a tool to help you calm that down a little bit anyway. Right. Because you're usually worried about something that's going to happen, that you're catastrophizing, yeah, that you're 
projecting is going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and or you are trying to stay ahead by, you know, almost superstitiously, like if you plan for everything possible as all the outcomes yeah. are bad, then you've got it covered. But the amount of mental energy and anxiety that goes into that is not based in emotional reasoning. Right. It's emotional reaction. And so the basis of my three R's are that three R, the rational, realistic and reasonable come from emotional reasoning. If you are emotionally reactive, you're in anxiety mode mm -hmm. because you're just not in real, you're not in the facts. And so let's, let me break down the three R's. So realistic means, can it realistically occur? Is it possible? What is the predictability statistically in your mind, high or low? And sometimes it's going to be zero. Sometimes it could be 10%. Sometimes it could be 1%, but usually it's somewhere really low or nothing, right? When we really look at the reality right. of something, <clears throat> when we look at what's reasonable, is it a reasonable thought? Is it a reasonable response? Is it reasonable that someone would think that? How many people do you know really think like that? What experiences have you had before like that, that are fact-based? Like you challenge it with the, what's reasonable here to really think. And, right. and when we project into the thing that we're thinking, is that really reasonable to think? And if we don't have proof of that, only speculation, then we can kick it like right. out of our head. Yeah. And then the rational, is it rational? Now, people often get them like, well, they all are the same. They're not. They're all very specific because rational is about not emotion. It's fact. Is it rational to think that way? Is it rational that, so here's an example. I have clients all the time say, no, nobody loves me. Nobody loves yeah. me. Or I don't have any friends. And then I usually, because I know them usually well enough to say, well, but Joe loves you. And I usually get, well, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Right. Well, right. so I write to the right. I say, but it's not rational when you say nobody or I have no friends. Let's find a different way to reframe that because you do have. So what is it that you're really saying? I want more friends. I don't feel like I'm loved enough. I want more love. Very different, right? Yeah. So it's what's rational here. What is, what is fact-based? So the rational piece is fact. The realistic is about reality of like predictability and reasonable is, you know, you know, is it within reason to think that way? Right. And if so, why are we thinking that way? And if the distortion of the reason is distorted, then it's not reasonable. So it's very clear that I demark those three things very specifically for people mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that what it's doing is it's decatastrophizing the thought process. And the more you can decatastrophize and reframe and demystify de or, or unstructure the calamity and the, of the accumulation of the distortions in the funhouse, the easier you start getting away from it. Because what you're doing is you're becoming aware mm -hmm. of the dialogue you're capturing it essentially your awareness is you capture the bad thoughts you capture the the crazy thinking the you know the out there thinking the ones that make you go down the rat hole right right you capture them then you challenge them with the three r's is it realistic rational or reasonable to really think this way or feel this way or act this way and then by nature if you can capture and you can challenge here's those three c's if you can capture the thoughts yep and you can challenge them with the three R's, the change, the behavior on the other side comes. Right.
because that's an automatic. When we change a thought and we practice changing the thought and capturing it, the feeling will change and the emotional response will change and the physical response will change. Therefore, the behavior automatically changes. People often think that they have to change a behavior to get the other things to move. That is not true. If you, so if you take, um, if you take someone who's in addiction, we can detox a person behaviorally, Right. right? Yes. But at the end of the day, to keep a person away from being in addiction or overeating or eating their emotions or doing all the things we talked about at the beginning of the show, if we can detox it, right? The only way to keep it maintained from being back into the full-blown addiction is the thought process has to be restructured. It has to be redefined. It has to be reframed. It has to be rewired because you have practiced over and over and over the narrative in your brain of you're a failure. You're not good enough. Take a drink. You're a failure. You're not good enough. I feel like shit. Take a drink. I'm, I took a drink. Now I feel like more of a failure because see, I'm living up to what everyone says I am that I think everyone thinks I am. I'm no good. Take another drink. Yep. So if we back it away from, okay, detox, right? Because normally we have to detox because when someone's in full blown addiction, usually they can't do this work in terms of alcohol and drugs. But if let's move it off of that, because more people talk about, especially right now, I'm talking about eating right? People are eating disordered. Um, Most of the time I'm talking to people who are obese or weight trying to lose. The weight loss will come because the behaviors will change if you start thinking about yourself differently, how you see the world and how the world sees you. And you stay in your own lane and start looking at what are my, what are my mirrors? My mirrors are, I'm fat. Is that realistic? Could be. Okay, so that would be one where I go, okay, okay, you're overweight or mm-hmm. you're on the BMI index of being obese. Okay, so there's a mirror. Okay, and another mirror is I don't love myself. Now, people won't usually say that. They'll say people don't love me. Yep. And I'll switch it to do you love yourself? And they'll say not really because I don't feel good about myself. So there's another mirror. Okay, so then we work on the distortion of what is it, though, that you love about yourself other than you feel bad physically. So we start working on that, right? The more we can change that, the more the feeling will come. And then the behavior to not eat, overeat, binge, you know, whatever it is stops or it starts to abate. Um, So it's about looking at what's rational, realistic, and reasonable. Now here's one of those things where when people say, I can't help it. I'm, uh, this is recent, I'm X amount of weight, I'm way over, I'm not healthy, but I can't help it because it's genetics. Yep. Now there's a cognitive distortion that's that you've bought into. You may have a predisposition. Mm-hmm. So we look at what's realistic, what's rational, what's reasonable. So it's realistic that you have a predisposed genetic piece usually I can, we can identify that in history. Right. So realistic. Yes. Is it reasonable that a person with a predisposed genetic predisposition for this can't lose weight? Right. Nope. It's not reasonable and it's not rational and it's not realistic because that would be that 
people who have a gambling problem, people who have addiction to alcohol, people who have addiction to drugs, people who have addiction to exercise, people who have addiction to gambling, whatever it is, means that if that's true, then everybody's in addiction. Everybody can't stop because those are all tied to genes. Right. So if you're diabetic and your family has diabetes, if you're if your family has heart disease, hypertension, all those things. So you basically throw your hands up and say, well, it's totally rational. It's totally reasonable and totally realistic for us to just be like, well, we throw in the flag because there's right. we can't do Nothing anything can about do. Yep. that is like one of the ultimate ways I can explain like on a big scale of big issues like that is not realistic, rational, or reasonable you have every ability to make change. Usually it's people just don't know how, or they bought in to the narrative that someone else has told them to confirm that it's okay for them to continue the behavior. I can't tell you how many people in relationship addiction, eating disorders and and drug and alcohol addiction will tell me, well, so when there's always a backer, there's always an enabler or two in the background going like, don't worry, you don't need to do blah, 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 because you, you're fine. It's all, it's good enough for me. So it's good yep. enough for you. Exactly, right. Yeah. There's always that, that, that thing there. And it's just, it, it makes it so the fun house doesn't ever have an opportunity to actually see clear. There's no clear mirrors because the clear mirrors, you and I've said this before, are usually based on someone who's had authority somewhere in that person's mind that gave them that bullshit. Yeah. And they bought in and then they've integrated it in and made it enough okay for themselves that it's, you know, it's totally fine. And you know, just I, 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 know, to... I think I talked yeah. about this last week or the week before. I, I know someone that has told has told a couple of people, and this has happened over my practice, but tell their tell their kids or their grandkids, like females, you don't, ha- you don't have to get an education. You don't really have to do anything. You just need to get like a little part-time job and just marry a man that's really wealthy. And, yeah. and then I'm like, and that's not, that's not unusual. It's r- more rare than I think it used to be. I still hear it. And I'm always sure. like cringing. And I know you know this because you've heard it too. Like that is not a message we want to give females. And that's not a message we want to give anybody you know you don't just be like oh you know what are we 1930 yeah, <laughs> you know right, 1940 yeah. like that's you know the, and that's just one example of that where if you're not perfect enough if you're not perfect enough right if you're not built and jacked like you know as a man then you're not going to get a pretty enough woman you're never going to be right if you're not thin and skinny and you know and like teeny is real and 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 blonde and all these things then you're never going to find a man like these are things that people don't think about that are anxiety creators. Right. Um, and that, and those are all true, you know, that they, they're just all not true isms. They're not fact-based, but people, societal pressure, familial pressure, peer pressure, your own internalized di- dialogue that you've created around all of that creates that fun house that you find it so hard to be able to pull the three R's out. So you have to be able to look at, is it rational, reasonable, and realistic truly to compare myself to what Kim Kardashian is. No, right. there's no way on so many levels. And why? Cause I'm going to look at the facts. I don't come from that family. I don't have that money base. I don't have like the, the, the genetic pool that that family has. I don't have access socioeconomically or to like, there's yep. so many. So you go, okay, nor do I have, a person who can take all my pictures unless I pay big money for them, which is realistic if I wanted to, if I wanted to, they could airbrush every single flaw off of me and make my boobs bigger and my butt bigger or my boobs smaller. Like 
it's not real. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we look at like the social media examples of like rational, realistic and reasonable, that's so there because Dove did a great commercial years ago and I use it in my class to teach about like image yep. and um, self-image. And they had a whole campaign for probably a couple of years. And it's great. If you guys go out, you can still find it online, but they did um, like a, uh, a campaign for women and social media, really looking at what happens to what you see on the billboard signs in the magazines from what the actual still model look like. She's beautiful as a, as just right. a very lovely young woman, but she goes in, they make her up, they do her hair. But then once they take all her photos and they show like the timeline of it and they show what happens. And then you know, at the end of it, they say, it, this is what you're basing your image off of. Right. It's the fun house. It's the mirrors. Exactly. And so you're now almost literally, yeah, it, it, literally. And it's such a, and so that's how I, t I teach it in my class like that. I use that, that video to show like, this is this fun house mirror set that you're looking at that. Then you think if I don't look like that, then that's why someone doesn't like me. Or if I say the wrong thing, someone might think that I'm not a nice person. So I'm going to be even nicer. Well, you know, there's not always nice people in the world. So the nicer you are, it doesn't mean that they're going to be nicer to you just because you're nicer. It's kind of like when people work harder and right. harder and harder thinking that somehow they'll eventually get that raise. No, people don't do that. People just expect you to work harder because they up their expectation of you without the payout because right. you're, because you're people pleasing because you have this mindset that the harder I work, the more I'm going to get. doesn't mean you, so don't get me wrong. You work hard for what you get and all those things, but don't lay down and submit to something thinking that if I work harder, I'll finally get this thing because people don't work like that. People will take from that. Yep. Because well, there's a lot more takers in the world than there are givers. Right. And you have to vet that situation. And so you have to, but if you don't have good cognitive structure in place yep. and you have a lot of distortions, you will bypass that reality and you'll bypass the three R's and you'll be basing a lot of your life on what people think, what the world may think about you, what the committee in your head, nameless, faceless people, yeah. sometimes face faces and names, but it's all who cares and not who cares. Like, Oh, I want to be a good person. I hope people think I'm good. It's, it's about if someone says like, I, you know, I want you to go out with me and I want you to do these things with me this weekend. And you say no. And then they get upset with you and then you fall apart because you feel guilty. That's a them issue, not a you right. issue. But people take it on as a them issue, yep. like that they have done something wrong because guilt is that feeling of I am being perceived that I'm not a good person, that I'm not I didn't do the right thing. I've done the wrong thing because you said no, because, you know, no is a full sentence in my book. And that's the practice of the year is no is a full sentence. Yep. And if people don't like it. Oh, well. You have to you know, detach yourself from right? what that reaction is going to be. Exactly. And and, and a I, lot of people don't realize that they're thinking about what other people are thinking of them. Right. And, and other then that people changes their behavior. Aren't thinking of you. Well, that's that's what you and that's mature one, into. And that's the wonderful thing about the spotlight effect. It's the phenomenon for teenagers. Yeah. And I get so many teenagers laughing sometimes when I in my office when they'll be like, well, I'm worried about like that they're thinking this and they're thinking that. And I say, do you know what the spotlight effect is? And they'll say no, usually. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, well. Almost all teenagers, 99.9% .9 of teenagers go through a period of time from like 12 years old, sometimes a little younger, 12 years old to like 18, 19 years old, where they think that everybody, <coughs> excuse me, is looking at them, thinking right. about them, what they're dressing like, what they, and, and I always say, if you're thinking that and 99.9% .9 of all teenagers think that way, 
when do they have time to be thinking about that you're thinking that they're thinking that they're... Exactly. <laughs> and there's usually a lot you know i'm like so nobody's thinking about you and yes it is realistic and it's rational and it's reasonable because i certainly had this happen i got bullied in in school coming up there are people out there that are going to be exactly what you think yep. they're going to be not nice they're going to be terrible to you they're going to say things and and if you're lucky enough by the time you're in your late 20s early 30s like i did i finally got to a point where i was like Ugh, i'm done with that yeah but it takes time because if you're bombarded in that you have to stand that, that that's you, them not you right you have to in it and i think that's one of the hardest things for people and i relate my personal experience like that because i'm real and i'm human and i'm I don't just purport like, oh, I know. I I walk this walk. It's hard. It's saying no and not holding the response and reaction of another person into my soul is very hard work. Yeah. Um, because I was so given, oh, what is that? Um, wow. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Okay, well, we're I'm not sure either, but we're not gonna respond to that. It feels like a hack. Yep. Um uh, but putting that into your soul really is such a, it, it, there's a damage to the soul if you, if you keep holding on to that, because it really dictates how you're going to think, feel, and respond. And current so conditions are making this so much worse because you, what you have to, what you mature into eventually is that not everybody's going to like you. You're right. not going to get along with everybody. You're not going to like everybody. It's impossible. But you're raised on social media, which means enough likes, enough thumbs up enough well right now yeah, yeah. especially i mean prior so you to can't media. stand somebody not liking and, and there's going to be somebody out there who's right. going to have a problem with you it's just always the way it is right i mean i've so right and even before social media came along it was you know there was that that yeah. was that phenomenon was there but i think with the thank you for getting rid of that yep. the social media issue is so prominent even so i'm in my age now 27 um <laughs> laughing at me um but you know, recently I had a, a I told you about this, but I had a post that I posted up. It was like something about mush and on a yeah. backside, not even on social media, but the person, the person I expected that would actually respond. Remember I told you this, yeah. that I would, I would say at least would come out and say something lovely and nice, right? They're in their own stuff. And I already know that. And I was bothered by it by a hot second that they didn't even say anything, not even, but on the backside, they were telling people things that got back to me so i had to i had to unfollow them yeah because that instead of getting mad or upset or taking it personally like to me i was like that gave me enough information of where i stood that it was like oh now when i was 15 i would have probably been like oh my god yeah. right but now i'm like all right because you, you need to have that person you, in your circle i don't right i don't need, don't need i don't to. need that person in my yeah. circle i choose if you choose to say those things and you choose to go back door behind that, I don't need you as part of my toxic circle. Yeah. <laughs> so you can be distanced. Now, I didn't block them no. for a variety of reasons, but I didn't follow them because you don't need to see my post, right? Because that's healthier. But that's what we, that's like taking your distorted mirror and being like, and some people were like, I'd block them. I'm like, nope, I'm not blocking them because I don't need to block them. I just put them on snooze and unfollow for a while. Yep. Because I they they don't deserve my they don't deserve my who I am to well, see. Well, that's my a stuff. big key to it too. And I becoming think to get there is huge. That's a big thing too when you get to the point where you're protective about your your 
mental energy. Exactly. That's a huge point. And it's something I very tried very hard to give to my kids younger because right. I didn't get it till much later in life. And it's like, just, no, you don't deserve any of my mental energy. Well, and I, and I think that's such an important thing for parents that I know listen to the show and, and are, are trying to help their kids along. And, you know, there's a lot of parents who still do like the old school stuff. Like my parents did, like if someone, if someone was giving you a hard time, they'd just be like, Oh, they're just jealous. Little kids don't understand what that means. Don't tell your kids that another kid who's giving them a hard time is just because they're jealous. Little kids under the age of 11 really don't even know what that means. They hear you. They know it means that you're trying to be in favor for them, but that's not a good way of describing it because then it's not helping them internally. A better way of saying things is, you know what, you know, we'll use a name like Sarah. It's okay. You know what? Bobby and Sue don't like you and that's okay. We don't know why they don't like you. There's nothing wrong with you. That could be, but you don't like so-and-so, but you know, so it's the same thing. So, you know what, today we'll let it go because maybe in a couple months they'll like you and you'll like them. Who knows? But it's really not a big deal instead of just being like, they're just jealous and you're better than them. And I'm like, that doesn't help a kid. Like, oh, you're better than them. Don't, don't tell, there's another part. Don't tell a kid you are better than them because then if you get kids who are building their defenses, you're going to have kids that will go back to school and say, I'm better than you. My mom says I'm better than you. And now you've got all, then now you've got a whole new situation building up. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a whole, yeah. So a parent, because that's your, because you're building the narrative around something that now is their reality based on you as an authority figure saying you're better than them and not having them have context that, you're better than them means like rise above. Don't let it sit on you. You're not a better person than maybe you are, but you know what I mean? You're not going to tell little kids that, but people do that. But the basics are just having happiness with your own actions. Like right. for example, you post about mush. You're fine with that. Yeah. I'm okay. It's who I am. It's what I did. Right. It's all right. You don't like it. Fine. Right. I don't have to deal well, with it. I, but I also, so I think coming, so for instance, in that one, I think coming from a, a place of understanding, like I understand people, right? Yeah. So I understand that the person who, was running their mouth, not on social media, but behind the scenes, they have a lot of their own stuff going on. They have a lot of hurts of their own that have nothing to do with me, but they're the type of person that would probably blame me for them or blame. They blame, not just me. They blame. It's not me issue. It's a, it's a global them issue, not a me issue. So I already understand that, but I just don't need that. And I think if more people learn to just say, I don't need that in my space. And then I also told the people that were saying things about it to me, I'm like, I don't want to hear that because it's not in my space. If it was meant for me to hear it, they would say it to my face, but clearly they didn't have the bravery (laughs) and the courage to say it. So then it was really not meant for me. And therefore it means it's really them lashing out of their own stuff of their own narrative. That's not realistic, rational, and reasonable for them. And I don't need them in my fun house because my fun house is clear. So it's like, so bringing it full circle, like he, you know, it's not, not my fun house, right? That's your circus, your monkeys. You want to make those comments. Don't bring them into my house. Right. So it's I think it's really that's how you set that reasonable, rational, realistic space for yourself, because you adopt the healthiest things for you, of what you are willing, able, wanting to accept and what you tolerate. You don't need everyone to love you. You don't need everyone to like you. And just because one person doesn't agree or share in your sadness or your happiness over something doesn't mean that nobody else does. Right. And I think that, and that's the other piece of anxiety is anxiety comes up when there's a universal experience that people think that great example, 
someone texts and they don't hear back from someone for like four or five hours, immediately a healthy person will go, person's busy, no yeah. big deal, whatever. The unhealthy anxiety person goes, I must have upset them. Mm -hmm. I must have made them mad. I must have hurt their feelings. They must be pissed at me. Yeah. Like all these other things, instead of it just being like, they're at work. Yeah. You know, I have people that will text me and then, you know, I'm at work all day, you know, obviously, and sometimes I can do things. And then later on, my text will be like, hello, I was waiting. I'm like, I know what, I know the people, I know what they were doing. Yeah. They were like, why isn't she texting me? Right. Because I'm at work, <laughs> you well, know, it's like that spotlight effect again. Because yeah, it's not but that's about adults. You. That's actually yeah, adults doing it. You know, I'm like, wait, I'm. But it's know. not about you, right? It's about what you know. Other people have other stuff going on, right? Right. And when you don't answer, I just get annoyed at you, and then just keep pinging you. Because <laughs> I know, I know. Eventually, if I ping you hard enough, you'll answer. <laughs> that rarely happens. You know. I know. That. I know. Yeah. That's because you don't want to make me keep pinging you. <laughs> Um, but no, you never do that to me. I think you did it to me once, but I wouldn't, but that's a perfect example. I wouldn't be like, who's mad at me. I'd be yeah. like, who's busy. Yeah. But so there's, so there's that universal thought that goes right to the anxiety base of it must be me versus the un, un the non-universal thought, which is it's, it's you, not me. Yep. That's a you issue, not a me issue. And I don't know what to tell you about that. So it, it comes, I just said to a client yesterday, um, and I say this to lots of clients, but it's, I am me, you are you, we are not one. Yeah. I am you, I am, I am me, you are you, we are not one. So therefore, if we stay in those spaces, we don't have the, the three R's get all muddied. Right. Because we are, we meaning you and me, or we being collective community or world around us, it's. I am me. I sit in what I know. I feel about and believe about. I'm kind. I'm loving. I'm compassionate. Like know the things about you, and then be able to say if if something you know cer certainly if something happens with someone or whatever and it's a done wrong thing, but don't think that every single thing can possibly be you. Right. No. Exactly. It can't. It's just it's not the three R's. It's not rational, realistic, or reasonable. And if it's outside of you, it's not reasonable at all that it's you. Right, exactly. Chances are it's not. Well, well, and that's the predictability piece yeah. is you have to look at the facts of is it predictably reasonable to say that that's really about you or that they don't like you or, you know, someone comes into work and you say hi and then, you know, and they just go. Ugh. Yeah. Now, anxious people immediately go, oh, what I do? Okay, you haven't seen the person in three days and what possibly could have happened and you, uh, you know how about maybe they had a bad morning maybe they had flooding yeah <laughs> maybe they have an insurance company that's yep. giving them a problem you know there, there could be other things outside of you but immediately anxious people go right to it must be me and 99 percent, it's outside of you right and yeah. so it, almost all of the time yep. it's going to be realistically outside of you occasionally if you just look at someone and you know hey lou yeah. you're looking a little gaunt today yeah. which is what i said to you yeah I still love you. Yeah. Right. But I'm like, Ooh, that cold's kicking your butt. Right. <laughs> but it wasn't, you're not going to be like, she doesn't like me. Oh God. But people do that. They're like, I'm just like, pointing. no, because one of the benefits of age is you get to this point where I'm okay. I'm doing okay. You know, <coughs> she's fine. Yeah. She's safe. You know, you're safe. Right. Well, because as much you know, crap that, as we give each other, you're safe because you know that, yeah. you know, the realistic rational and reasonableness that 
I'm predictable, that I'm solid, like we're solid. Yeah. And I think when you have relationships in life that you know are solid and you don't feel um, threatened by them and you feel they're not going, like you could say whatever and you could still be present and you'd be, it's, it makes yep. all the anxiety go away. Wow. So that was my. And the postgraduate class of this is you could turn from catastrophizing into manifesting. If well, you can so, learn yes. these principles. So, yes. So if you yeah. learn these principles to wrap that all up. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. So all of the defense mechanisms that come out of anxiety, right? The mm -hmm. minimizing, the maximizing, the forecasting, the fortune telling, the mind reading, yep. the projecting, the all that. If you can take those one at a time and, and, generate an alternative to what is real and make it in the reality of the situation mm -hmm. that will manifest all the things you're really looking for, which is I'm looking for worthiness within myself. I'm looking for love. I'm looking for attachments. I'm looking for acceptance. It has to come from within you as cliche as people are like, Oh, it's all self love. Well, you have to really manifest what you want. If you don't want people to walk all over you knows a good start. I'm saying no. So you have to get over the, she said no, right? Or I'm sorry, I can't do that today. I could do it for you Wednesday. Oh, it's too late. Okay. I mean, right? Yep. It is what it is. Um, great example of the manifesting of that. There was a very, <clears throat> had a very intense student once in the past couple of years, wanted me to write them a recommendation letter. Wanted me to yep. write them, right? I didn't know this. Three days before the recommendation. She didn't express it to you? Uh, he, well, she. She. Yeah. She did not express that she wanted me to do this until very <laughs> three days before the, the letter was due. Now, any one of my students knows that if you want a recommendation, first, you have to ask me way out of time. Yep. Second of all, you can't spring it on me three days before it's due. You've got to give me like two months. <laughs> yeah. If right. you can, or right. at least at least a good month. Because <clears throat> I take my time and write it and whatever. And I require certain things about like what they need to do too. Um, so I, I wrote back and said, unfortunately, I will not be able to provide that in the three days time span. Um, you know, and yep. I, I wish you the best of luck. Oh, mm -hmm. the response was uh, on there and was very unprofessional, not nice. Yeah. And all these things sort of loosely. It was, it was a little covert, a little passive aggressiveness. Yep. And I wrote back and said, you waited too long. I, I did it, you know, in a, in a, I said, unfortunately, you, cause, cause you waited too long. There's no way I'll be able to turn that around. And now it was two days. Cause yeah. they wait, you know, I said, and I don't have that. And I said, and given that you expressed so much disdain over my no, yeah, um, it would be hard for me at this juncture to write such yeah. a letter, given that you're that angry about the fact that the timeline, whatever, like three days after that, I got an apology yeah. And would you write a letter? <laughs> right. Still needing me to write the letter, which I ended up not writing at all because the person was supposed to send me a link. Right. Yeah. So this is so I, I knew enough to know that my no stood. I was OK with my no because I set the boundary because they weren't respecting mine. And also. It was a them issue because they clearly weren't on the ball of what they needed to be doing. So I didn't need to be rushing to their, to make them people please, because yeah. that it, it's, it's the example of, you don't have to just jump to because someone says I need, or I want, or do it. Cause I'll like you essentially. Yeah. Right. Cause you didn't like me. Cause I said, no, you have to be able to tolerate that. 
someone might not be happy with you and that's okay. But this is about being happy with yourself. Right. Yeah. I wasn't going to put myself under the gun for a person who just randomly says, can I have a recommendation from you? And then gets mad because I'm like, uh, you gave me three days notice and that takes me time along with everything else I do, like, like the respect level. Yeah. So it's not rational, realistic, or reasonable. Everything always falls in those R's. Is it, and that's what I did in my head with this person. Is it rational, realistic, or reasonable to get that done for you? No. Yeah. In that time, sometimes it might be, but not, not, it wasn't because of that person. It was no way because I have everything I had on my plate at the time. And they knew but they didn't like the answer. So you were being true to yourself because right. you didn't, I didn't want to overcommit. Do the letter, right. Well, yeah. I didn't want to overcommit myself and, it was reasonable. It's totally reasonable to say no because you don't want to put yourself in a position where you know you can't follow through. It would have been worse for me, realistically, rationally, and reasonably, mm -hmm. to know that I was going to not, I was going to fail because I wasn't going to be able to produce that. There yeah. was no way. And if I did, it was going to be really half assed. Why do that? So you're at peace with your decisions, which allowed you to weather right. the displeasure with your decision. Right. So right. make decisions you're at peace with. And I think that I think, and I think for a lot of people that are younger, it's harder to do that. Not because you're younger, because I know, but I think if you could start the process of knowing how to do this, like in your teenage years, yeah, and really get it into, because so many people go through this. this. Isn't like some people. So many people go through this ability, having the ability to say, "I'm okay sitting with." that yeah. and there are some people by the way which is totally a different story that sit with this stuff with no care and no feeling yeah. which isn't that i am saying like there's no feeling i definitely had empathy and i understood that she was upset but i also knew that it was just unreasonable it was an unreasonable ask yeah and she knew once i said this is unreasonable you know that that was when i got the apology would you still write it but then she didn't follow through after that so i have no idea what happened because i i would have eventually done like her link which was the check boxes but i got no link so she must have tapped out and then i never heard from her yeah. again you know so i'm like i guess that's it um no, she didn't feel comfortable with the ask right yeah right so not my issue yeah but i think i think going back to it to manifest what you want in life you have to really look at the three r's you have to really look at is it predictably possible that these things could happen that you're thinking about that are making you anxious if they are what can you do about them if there's nothing you can do you have to reimagine like a solution to what can be done right then and that's all you can go with you can't control what can come 500 days from now or five days from now because usually when you're a meta worrier like that the things you plan for they never happen right like i always ask people like all those things that you plan for those 10 things we wrote down that you were worried about. Now the thing has happened and nothing happened and none of those things happened. And how many times has that happened? We use that as an evidence is like, it's, it's not. Now that's not to say that certainly sometimes things come up and well, oh, they're proved that it happened. Yeah. It oftentimes it's self-fulfilling. But right. Cause people, yeah. and I say, cause you manifested right, exactly. it because if you can, if you can, if you can be pessimistic and negative and have those negative automatic thoughts that create yep. this cognitive distortion, you can manifest the problem to happen. And if you can do that, you can do the opposite. You can manifest the good stuff to happen Yeah, people too. don't understand that exchange because right. they understand the negative aspect. Oh, I'm going to blow this job interview. You go and you blow the job interview. Right. People right. have gone through that a hundred times. Yeah. But having the, and I don't want to say positive output because people roll their eyes and they think incense and you know all that kind of stuff. But if you manifest that, you can, you can use that in a positive aspect and manifest mm -hmm. good things. Right. I, and and just a really quick personal story is like talk about manifesting. Back in college, I went into an audition. I was 
acting and doing all that stuff at the beginning <clears throat> and um, singing. And there in chorus line has a beautiful song. Of course, it's probably the, one of the hardest songs in the world to sing in <laughs> terms of that. Right. And so I went to the audition. This is at UMass Amherst. I was with like 10 other people auditioning for this song in this part. I had this part. I had it. And while we were warming up with the, the pianist, the, the, everybody that was casting was listening and watching because yeah. we did group, we did couple and all that stuff, doing the song. And in my head, <clears throat> I'll never forget this because it never happened again because I learned. Yeah. This, and I was thinking it was 19. I went in and I, in my head, as soon as we broke off to now have to do it individually, all of a sudden I had this voice who I won't identify but this person in my head from years before had said, who, who do you think you are? My aunt, by the way, my aunt's an opera singer. <clears throat> and <laughs> I had this voice of this other person in my head going, who do you think you are? Your aunt, you'll never be as good as her. Like I had this thing because yeah. this was the dialogue that, and it went right through my head. I will never forget it. And I, I knew I had the part because I had been talked to for two hours during the audition. I just knew it. I had it. Yeah. I had, I had it. I got in, started singing and got to the high part and went, and cracked and they stopped and they said okay kim we know you can do it we've heard you we think you're great for the part like you know yeah. just settle take some water and i fell apart because yep. i didn't have the um i didn't have the resiliency at that time right and i started over did it and it happened it right out of the game. It, yeah. it was just like a tanker going down it was like so titanic it <laughs> and that was it. And I blew it. And I was, uh, I was, I it was so upset because I knew mm -hmm. what I, I knew what I had done to myself by allowing that mm, to come into my head. And I hadn't thought about that forever. And then that one moment and it sabotaged me. And from there on out after that, I did everything I could to make sure all my training and I would never have that happen again and never happen again. And then I sailed through like, and did have a nice little, mini acting career and all those things not that, to derail this totally but this is what we say when we say mac jones is broken yeah uh, <laughs> that's not derailing it's kind of the, yeah yeah it's yeah. it's the, it's the same principle yep. it's exactly what yep. we watched happen to him yeah it's it's the manifesting of the fall apart yep right and right. It, it cascades and it and it's just if right you don't grab a hold of the situation but it's in in my point of telling you like my story and then you relating like mac it's human it, yep. and and i think that um, when you don't hear, when you don't hear your, your psychologist or your psychiatrist talk from a human perspective, like they, they also know, like we don't share in our sessions ever like these things, but in this context, it's like, we're human. I get it. I know I've, Oh, I've got the examples too. So it helps if, if you're out there in the world and you're looking for someone to help you and it's not coming out of a self-help book, find someone that at least you connect with that has the human experience that can relate to you, not telling you their story because that's not what we do. We don't do self-disclosure. This isn't therapy, so I can self-disclose. But in therapy, just someone you connect with that seems to really get the humanity of, I understand there's so many people that have this experience because everybody has these experiences, but nobody's talking about it because yeah. it's embarrassing for people. I don't care. Oh, I tanked it. I tanked it yeah. like bam, right on the, right on the floor and tears afterwards, but I held it together, but it was like, yeah, yeah. but, but I had to have that happen in order for me to get it together. But that's, that wasn't a, 
It wasn't a break moment. It wasn't a summary of who you are. No. It's a summary of what happened. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing. The influencer on that, had that person that was doing that in my head been present, it would have derailed me even more. Yeah. Because sure. that person would have then capitalized on that. Yeah. And that person still to this day, unless they're listening to the show, which they may be. <laughs> Doesn't very, know. Right. Yeah. Didn't know that. And it would only feed their ego. So congratulations if you're listening, because thank you very much for giving me a good life lesson because it created me to have um, stronger resiliency to not let that be in my head. Committee, no committee. So three R's. It's not realistic, rational, reasonable to listen to someone that said that just because they were um, needing to feel whatever they needed to feel. Yep over a 10 year old that happened when i was 10 when they told me that good lord yeah well i didn't always have the nicest people in my life (laughs) which is why they're not in my life anymore yep sometimes we have to get rid of them so anyway um on that note yeah go out manifest three r's make sure things are realistic rational and reasonable hopefully today was a proving ground for good information for people to ask me to do that show on them I mean, there's so much more to that, but the show is only an hour and change at this point today. (laughs) It was a little late, but it was over. Um, But hopefully that helps people. And if you want to go back and know more about the three C's, I don't know if I've done a show on the full three C's, but that's the capture challenge change piece. And then the four S's I did do this being seen, soothed, secure, and safe. I believe that was back in August. And last but not least, I have to say this because we need a link. It's a month away from the Super Bowl, I have squares, $100 a square. I have four amazing, huge prizes that are each quarter, one being the final, which is a getaway weekend with gift certificates for dinners and spas and all the stuff that's added in. It's $2,500, no cash value, but that's how much it's worth and um, all the other ones in between. So please go to my um, give and gain page for my Boston Marathon charity run, $100 a square. Um, please help me because I have a month out and I've got like 65 squares to go. Thank you very much. See you next week.